This is the Baymall Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, we are joined by special guest, Brian David, who spent 37 years coaching people in software and 25 years coaching high school sports, but now finds himself coaching the text. Brian is married with two daughters and three granddaughters and is a lifelong resident of Southern California. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Just a... Honored and blessed to be here. And if you have any other details you want to sprinkle into what I just said, uh, feel free to share whatever you'd like to share about yourself. Yeah, just uh, met, did, you know, 40 years in um, what I call, for better or for worse, modern Western churchianity and ran across Marty about 10 years ago and um, was blessed to hear about kind of the Hebraic worldview and... It stuck. It took. It caused me to rethink and repray and re-engage the actual words of God's word, and and had a big influence on me. And um, now I feel like just in the process of artists mentioned about planting tamarisk trees in the past, and that's what I feel like I'm doing because I know whatever we're talking about now, it's. It's not going to be a big factor for folks my age. I'm fourth quarter, um, <laughs> fourth um, but for <laughs> you know, for 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 you guys and for your kids and your grandkids, um, this is how I see you know the walk of us Jesus followers is going to be influenced. So that's what I'm about. Call back all the way to episode 28 for that tamarisk tree. If you don't know what uh, what the tamarisk tree is all about. Check that oh, out. yeah, absolutely. Speaking of callbacks, I've been working on um, these transcripts and we've just been starting at the beginning and, and working on, so I can, and I don't know what episode it was, but I'm, I'm back and I just started session three uh, in my proofing, but somewhere in the end of session two, we, we mentioned Brian's name uh, in passing. I believe we do it a few times. We've talked about Brian a few times in the podcast. Nobody knew who we were talking about. And here he is. But Brian was one of my like earliest favorite connections. Um, we met in California way before Bayma was Bayma. Like we had a podcast. Nobody was listening to it. Um, but Brian was and a few people were in California We've had Jim fight on at the beginning of mm-hmm. uh, session three and Jim and Brian were good friends. And, but yeah, Brian, Brian took off and, and just really was able, I feel like one of the things that God has called me to personally is like a wider, like I have like, sometimes I feel like I'm only able to get an inch deep, but a mile wide. Cause there's other things outside of Bayma and another organization I'm asked to steward and I'm trying to grow as a leader. And I'm also trying to be a student of the Bible. And I'm also trying to, like there's all these things that I'm trying to manage. And one of the things that I've really enjoyed about watching Brian is he's got a, he's, he's gotten to, he's been able to like home his discussion and dig in a more concentrated way and, and I don't think I've really ever struggled being jealous of that. I've just enjoyed watching it. I'm like, yes, this is this is literally why I, I do what I do was to be able to set people like Brian on fire. I would say set his hair on fire, but Brian's as bald as I am. So <laughs> um and he doesn't even have much hanging off of his chin. So no hair to set on fire. But man, I have just loved, loved watching that. Um 
a couple small groups out there in California don't even know what they don't even know what they have. I, I think I I've joked in the past like Brian's running a better program than I am, and he really truly is. We had him in uh, shoot Brian, were you in Turkey or Israel? Where were you at Tur- this Turkey? You're Turkey. in Turkey, yeah. Tribadan. Yeah, that's right. And he was one of my facilitators for tri- just such a great resource for the participants there, um, and such a great facilitator. I I loved it so very much. And then I we were wrapping up John, and we had recorded the episodes. You know, we always record stuff ahead of time, and I thought we were all done with John. We had the we had the spreadsheet all set up. And then I listened to an episode and I said, we're going to ask Brian to do an episode of on chiasms. And I forgot we did that. So we just, we were adding a whole nother episode. We were not done with John yet. We're here today to do one more episode on John because that was too good of an idea to not circle back to and make sure that we did it. Brian, I've never seen, um, I, this is, I don't mean this to be a dramatic statement. I, I personally, I don't have a friend or Anybody that is as quick, as good as Brian loves chiasms. He sees chiasms. He immediately pulls them out. Like I might have a hunch that a chiasm is there. And Brian, within minutes and hours, will just be like, oh, yeah, here it is, color-coded and everything. And <laughs> just such a beautiful resource. So um, I knew when I wanted to talk chiasms, I wanted to talk about Brian. You did double-dog dare me, so that kind of set the thing I off. sure did. I sure did. And then I thought, well, I can't double-dog dare and then not come through. So we adjusted the schedule, and we're, we're here today. So, so Brian, let's – you know, when we started the Bema podcast journey, we talked about chiasms all the time. Like Genesis was full of chiasms. Every now and then we talk about chiasms. We talk about chiasms in the New Testament. But we don't talk about chiasms nearly as much these days as we used to in those days. So I thought we could start by just like, let's vamp a little bit on just the idea of chiasmus, what, how, it, how it's different, the different ways it shows up, um, and just some of those ideas. So first of all, one of my favorite resources is Kenneth Bailey um, did a book that's only on the, it's really focused on the gospel of Luke. It's uh, Through Peasant's Eyes and Poet and Peasant. It's a combined volume. We've linked it multiple times in the past. But the reason we've linked it is because he, at the beginning of that volume, goes through, I think, seven, at least seven different kinds of chiasmus and talks about how they differ and how they're structured and was just a super help because he's going to spend the whole rest of that volume just chiasm, 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 chiasm. He's just going to talk about it over and over and over again. Um, and is one of my favorite resources. Uh, Brian, do you have favorite chiasm resources that you've bumped into? He for one, and obviously uh, Rabbi Foreman. Goodness, um, yes. Yeah, because, you know, I want his little, I love chiasm little sticker yeah. from all his videos on the on the back of my door, but I don't have it yet. Um, yeah. So, uh, they're the main two after, uh, you got me started for sure. And, um, it's just been a process. Like it wasn't, and we talk about it all the time with the group out here. Uh, and it's just been, but those are probably those guys are the two main sources, but I will say, and I, you know, I, I want to mention other folks, I guess, but uh, 
like for a long time when the Bible project first started, uh-huh. yep. Tim Mackey would, you know, mention these literary patterns. Yeah. Yeah. And he wouldn't ever really say chiasm for a long right. time. Right. Now he's just all over it. Like, yep. yeah. Like they're going through Torah right now. And he said, Torah's chiastic. He just, they just start Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy's chiastic. Yep. Like, it, like it's all over the place. Yep. Okay. And then I was, um, our, my group's been in Romans for a year and, uh, and I try not to look at what other people do first. I try to do my own thing and then hopefully run across something that, you know, is kind of a little validation or I'm not way out there or whatever, because we'll talk about it, but I, you know, I'm a fast and loose kind of guy with that. Sure. Um, but so I'm doing, um, we're Romans nine through 11, right? Everybody's favorite passage in Romans and start reading about, um, you know, all the things that God gave Israel in nine, like four and five. Right. And then at the end in 11, it's, uh, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Like what are these gifts that we're talking about? And you taught me that, you know, Torah and the sacrifice and everything were Israel's wedding gifts. So I said, okay, this has got to be chiastic. Oh, sure. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and so I'm reading, going through my, cause I use, uh, right into right as one of my resources for Romans. And I find a thing that says, of course, Romans nine through 11 is chiastic, <laughs> you know? So that's like, yeah. yep. hurrah. Now we yep. have a little difference on what the center is, but that's another story. So, yeah. No, I love that. And it is so one of the things I love about having Foreman in one hand and Kenneth Bailey in the other is they couldn't be more disconnected. Like mm-hmm. one New Testament scholar, Jesus following Christian, another Orthodox Jewish teacher talking about the Hebrew scriptures. And and yet they're they're using they're obviously recognizing the same mechanic. You you run across it everywhere and it's very uh, affirming to see that. One of the things I appreciate about Bailey is he he helped me from like just starting to go crazy. Like Brian mentioned a while ago, like he's he's a little fast and loose. I, I'm a little fast and loose. Honestly, Foreman <laughs> is a little fast and loose by, say, Kenneth Bailey standards. So Bailey will talk about all kinds of different chiasms. First of all, there's a chiasm that we're all thinking of, the inverted parallelism with a center. Like it, it the two sides mirror each other in an inverted way, pointing, as Foreman would say, almost like a literary arrow pointing towards the center. There's a treasure there. Um, I, I've I've discovered through Bailey's work and others, there can be inverted parallelisms that maybe don't even have a center. Um, like there's there's literally no um, no place for a center. Like the parallel is obviously what it is without a centerpiece in the middle of it. Um, you can have non-inverted chiasmus. So by that, instead of A, B, C, D, C, B, A, you can have A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D. And every single one of these forms, there's a method to the tool that's being used. Like in the non-inverted parallelism, I'm actually talking about one this Sunday. I'm in Missouri, and I'm talking about the Beatitudes. I, I believe the Beatitudes are a non-inverted chiasmus. And what that means is that there's a relationship between how stage one talks to each other, stage two, stage three, stage four, like there's a linear line of thought and how the couples pair with each other. So not that I have to draw all out, it's probably confusing to hear. My point being, every different kind of chiasmus has a different literary mechanic that buries treasure in it. Mm. 
we've often talked about the one with the center in the middle, but there are even others. There are other kinds of parallelisms that bury treasure in different ways. And I think I've seen, I, I've been watching through your notes on John here, Brian, which I'll talk about before we're done. And and you, you, you totally see this. Like I, I'm looking at John, you have John chapter one, and you have a non-inverted parallelism in John 1 through 17, 1 through 18. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And that one actually came from Mackey. Oh, great. Yeah. So so in that case, you have, you, you have if people wanted to draw this out, you have John 1, 1 through 5, verses 1 through 5, and they parallel uh, 14, but then verses 6 through 8 parallel 15, and verses 9 through, through te- 9 through 13 parallel 16 through 18. And what that means is that first couple is talking to each other. The second couple is talking to each other, and that third couple is talking to each other. And oftentimes, those three ideas will form a linear line of thought that that forms the treasure in the teaching. Um, so that that would be an example of that. And then your very next example in your document is an inverted parallelism with a center treasure. So the, these are just all over the place, and they're so fun to find because it's just this endless journey. But Anything you would add to the things you've learned about the different kinds of parallelisms and chiasmus that you toy with, Brian? We're going to see examples of all of them in John, I think. Oh, goodness, yes. I've looked through your document. I think you've got all of them. <laughs> yeah. So even the ones without a center, like sometimes verses themselves are chiastic, I think, with and oftentimes without a center. Like, yes. You know, it's not what you, it's not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Yeah, That's, exactly. Great. Yep. Yep. Like those are in our text as well. Absolutely. 100%. And oh, one man. of the things well, I, now, now you've got me thinking, like, how, how modern is our usage of cat? Because it does, and like you said with Tim Mackey, it's like he, he seemed to hesitate to use the term mm-hmm. early on. And is that just a, like, we aren't familiar with that in a modern sense? Is it because we don't actually use chiasms? Is it because we just, we don't have that terminology? We aren't as connected with our literature? Uh, because, like there, there is like this theory that they call it the Star Wars ring theory, that the original Star Wars trilogy and the prequel trilogy are chiastic. Amen. They don't use that term. They call it ring theory. But mm-hmm. like, so maybe we do have modern examples and we just don't know how to talk about them. Uh or is it something like, it just seems like there's this hesitation or this, uh, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a fear, but like a skepticism of chiasms. And is that like, where does, where does that come from? And like, how do we, how do we make sure that we're actually not just pulling something out of thin air, but we're, but there's actually something here. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I, I think that's part of what I love about what Bailey speaks to in his book is there is a healthy skepticism because it's easy to take these ideas and start seeing it everywhere. And it is easy to subjectively start projecting what we want to see in a particular rhythm and meter or where we want the center to be. Or I'm guilty of this like all the time. So I'm hoping that everybody has their own opinions about some of the chiasms that I've taught about. But like... And so, and so Bailey would say there has to be an objectivity, like there's a literary science to what he's going to recognize as chiasmus and then what he's going to reject. He's going to say, you have to have a unique word or a unique phrase unquestionably placed by the author. There's no doubt, like, and because he's a literary scholar bound to the confines of peer review, he 
that's important for him. Like he's got to be able to prove this was Luke's intent. He's got to be able to like, there's no doubt Luke did this on purpose. And so, and, and I really appreciated that caution because the danger is there to start to, because if you don't tie it to unique word usage and you start using abstract concepts, well, then how abstract do you make that concept? I've seen people draw some pretty, pretty loose parallels between ideas because they want to find a parallelism there. So the caution is well warranted. What I've appreciated about Foreman is he pulls me back the other direction and says, okay, but there's clearly some conceptual parallels that aren't necessarily tied to unique word usage or phrasing, but they're clearly being used by the author. There's an, there's an objectivity to that which I think just reminds us of how dynamic this whole process is. It's really not a static objective. It is a way in which we engage the text. But Brian, what would you add to that? Uh, amen and amen. And uh, yeah, so I, I break every one of Bailey's rules for sure. Just <laughs> put that out there. Yeah, so this is all caveat emptor, you know, uh, do your own research and your mileage may vary for sure. Um, but on the other side of that, to Brent's point, like those ring structures in Star Wars, you remember the story because of them in some yes. way. Yes, yes. Okay, so they're affecting us whether we know it or not. I, again, I go, I'm like, I'm sure I'm out of it with this stuff, but uh, every tombstone has two dates on them and a dash, right? We've heard that before. Mm. What's What's the important part about that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The, the, the dash. life, the, life yeah. the dash represents, right? Yep. For most of us, we're going to, you know, start in diapers and someone feeding us, feeding us. And, some, and a lot of us, we're going to end in diapers with someone feeding us. Just telling you like this, like this is everywhere. Um, and for me, it's become even more as, you know, the worldview. And part of it is because we just don't take, we don't have or engage or think about so often, um, when I say we, it's me. Um, I haven't didn't for fifty five years. This uh, this kind of Hebraic Middle Eastern worldview that isn't all about you know just getting the answer, but it's engaging everything that's going on around you, and which is often fantastic. So as you say that, when I think about Brent's you know, appropriate question about the cautions. And the, if there is a danger and there is a, a, a cautious skepticism that's even warranted or healthy, why would we even engage this? St- Did you say you had a you had a quote about why this stuff even matters and why we would lean into chiasm? And uh, tell me what your thoughts are there. Yeah, that's really good. And I wish I had my stack up here. Um, Brother Andrew Swan. Yeah. Um, from... Uh, Slack wrote this awesome um, thing the other day and at, basically asked that question, wrestling with these um, a couple of chiasms that he found um, in First Peter chapter five, and got to the point where it's like, you know, these are his questions. I mean, why bother? I mean, it's great, but why go to the effort? And um, is this just wishful thinking? Am I being too mechanical? Is it just a structure technique that I put in too much thought? into and for me those kind of things go back to worldview right like um if we're going to engage 
that these literary um, patterns, literary designs, structural pines, structural designs were uh, in our text, as Foreman might say, or even Bailey might say in maybe different ways, but that's great. Mackie says, um, uh, Marty says, uh, which, you know, that's my top four guys right there. So, but the point is, if we're going to engage, and, it, and it, for me, that starts with this Hebraic mindset worldview that this stuff is even going to matter. And um, my answer to that is, he's, he said, so is it too mechanical? I said, maybe it can be, but maybe we should wrestle anyway. Is it wishful thinking or just a worthless structural technique? I don't think it's a worthless structural technique. It likely wasn't for first hearers if what we understand about kind of reception history kind of stuff is accurate for their day. Mm-hmm. Why? And he said, why bother? And I said, because maybe the spirit has something to say to you through the, through these chiasms, but maybe even more importantly, something to say to your brothers and sisters who haven't got there yet, maybe a better word than what they have been hearing mm. through what you are hearing in the chiasm. Um, so that's why it's important to me. That's why I think it, and it, and my worldview has changed over the years to where I think I can't engage the text now without at least giving some consideration to, you know, cultural context, reception history, the words themselves, literary design, which for me, I haven't found a book or a letter in the, in the younger Testament that doesn't have chiasms in it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with, I'm with you. And I love your, I love how readily you state that too. Cause I, I'm always hesitant because of that hesitancy Brent spoke of earlier, but you're, I'm with you. I, I feel the same way, even about, I would have accepted to say that about, as you say, the older Testament, um, the elder Testament, but yep. I was surprised to feel that way very clearly about the younger Testament, the new Testament. So I, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. Okay. So we just spent half the episode talking about chiasmus, which is awesome. Now let's talk about John. Let's, let's wrap up our John series so tell me, you've got some preliminary just thoughts about John's gospel in terms of what you see when you look at all of the literary devices, all the things that appear to be John's intent. Walk us through some of these big ideas, Brian. Yes, and that speaks into why, the for me, the Kaisens might even be relevant. Like, um, from my refreshed worldview, if you will, um, I don't just start, like... Here's a chiasm. Start reading John and say, here's a chiasm, here's a chiasm, here's a chiasm. I'll read John 10 times to hear the big story from potentially a more Hebraic worldview, which lands me on um, John is reimagining Torah in and through Messiah Yeshua for, for both his audiences that you've talked about in the podcast, right? The, yep. the Judeo and the Greco audience. And it, it, it all plays with, you know, the time can even factor into it. The, if the chiasms are real, if, the, if they're really there, they may speak to how we look at remezes. Sure. Right? Yep. Um, if they're there, they may speak to how um, they affect the Greco-Roman guys who have heard chiasms in the Iliad and the Odyssey by Virgil, by Virgil and Homer and other of their 
by the philosophers. Like they all use this structure and not just chiasm, but parallelisms and, and, um, you know, other structures as well. It, this was happening in their culture. Like they were used. And if they, if only, you know, 10% of them actually read or whatever it is, then these become devices where, you know, <laughs> they can get the idea of what John was doing. He's, if he's really, if he's repurposing Torah for his audience and, um, you know, in and through what Messiah Yeshua was doing, then they can get that potentially easier, especially if they can't read through the chiasms. Absolutely. So all those things play into it. Um, the, the ideas of, you know, new creation, how we bear his name, how we walk. Um, I think the entire book plays through Genesis, Exodus, a little bit of Leviticus, definitely Deuteronomy as John's playing through it. So if the Remezes come through the chiasms, we should expect them to go there. Um, signs and glory. I mean, that's right out of Exodus for me. Oh, sure. I never even thought about that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Book of signs, book of glory. Goodness. Wow. And especially if we look at glory being Yah's presence, the personal presence, which both you and, and I have a quote from Nancy Wright that says the same thing, and Mackie's all over that. Like the, the whole idea of the Holy Spirit, which is big in John, right, is the God's personal presence going with them, which comes right after, you know, the rescue in the beginning of chapter, I mean, in the beginning of Exodus. So we have the signs in the beginning of Exodus. They believe right in chapter 15 and then God's presence go with them. Like that's. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, sure. That's the book of John. Right. And so cool. that. So when I started looking at these little chiasms that they don't somehow play, and that's kind of what, back to Brent's point about how do I know we're not just you know, whistling Dixie or whatever, but. Oh no, somebody's going to have to, somebody's going to have to tell Ben Casperson that that idea only furthers his, all the temple imagery he's seen in that. I've that got some good. stuff from Ben. I've got, oh, I've, I've got some stuff from Ben about, especially the, the priestly stuff, which he included me into <laughs> some of that stuff, which is all in there. Like it's, Man. and it's part, and, it, and in most cases, it's part of the chiasms, like the chiasms play into all that stuff. Um, so if that, if that stuff doesn't all line up for me, then. And that's not, that's for sure with John, but with any time, like with sure. Paul, same thing, you know, like whatever, um, or whatever. So that's all those things. If they don't fit together, then I'm thinking maybe I need to keep looking. Yeah. Uh, Brent, you have any uh, thoughts before I ask him my next question? Sorry. I, I, I'm like deep into cold season. It seems like, and my throat is feeling a little scratchy. So I'm already like with the with the small amount of words i've already spoken i'm feeling pretty scratchy over here so carry on i will i will jump in if i come up with anything <laughs> don't you worry we got you <laughs> uh let's see here so let's let's take one of your favorite what's i think you mentioned maybe wanting to go like towards the end of our john series we were talking about you know thomas and the resurrection stories and let's let's grab one of your favorite chiasms here and just pull it apart and see and see how far we get. Just last podcast. So I walk when I listen to podcasts. I do my four miles every day. Yep. And uh, it was hilarious because uh, Brent and uh, Reed were doing the Thomas thing. And uh, if we look at um, John chapter 20 and... 
I, and I was listening and that's part of it for me now. Like I've been doing it for several years now. Um, so I, I, I hadn't got to that, to chapter 20 and what I was working on for, you know, kind of preparing for the podcast. So I was just listening to those guys. Yep. And I hear them talk about, uh, it's the first day of the week. The doors are locked. Um, the Jesus came and stood among them and he said, peace be with you. And I listened to keep reading. And then it's like eight days later, which is, you know, the first day of another week, new creation and the doors are locked and Jesus shows up and says, peace be with you. And I'm walking down the road with my headphones on it. There's not usually that many people, but I'm just yelling at them going, it's, it's a chiasm. Like, and in the, <laughs> And in the center, of course, is he breathed on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. I'm saying, okay, this is the first day and the first day of a new creation. And, there, you know, that we just had a scene in the garden, by the way. We got humans hiding from God, but God breathes his Ruach into the humans. This is new creation. Like, this is, this is right out of Torah. This is, and especially, and then I go, and that's what sends me, like, flying because uh you know the first chapter of john is about new creation like Mm -hmm. and now oh we started with new creation he's ending with new creation okay this whole thing there's something going on here like it's an ecclesia or it's the whole thing's a chiasm or whatever and that just sends me bonkers so um but yeah that was like what happens to me (laughs) and how i get there and um there's more to the process. Like I'll start looking at words that I do. Like I want words to line up like, and yeah. you know, often they do or, or not, and not even words, but even just concepts. Like if we take, um, you know, I lean definitely more towards Foreman's <laughs> playground than, than Bayer's. Sure. So. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I've got some delicious news for any of our listeners that are like, okay, you guys are talking about all this stuff loosely and in the abstract. We're going to take, Brian David's document here that he's created. He's got this Google Doc, color-coded. He's got chiasms from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 21. He's got notes. He's got overarching observations. He's got notes on process we're going to talk about before we're done here today. And we're going to find a way to link this document in the show notes, uh, probably in a obviously a read-only format where you can you can get in there and just take this and have fun and build your own and find more. And I mean, I, this thing is just pages and pages. How long is this thing? I can't even see a page count. It's but like goodness. 23 pages. Yeah. 23 pages. <laughs> 23 pages of chiasm notes in the gospel of John. Um, so like I, I was watching that chiasm as he talked about it and just, I, I love the so many potential things. Like even as you talk about that, Brian, I see you've noted, um, let's see, John 20, verses 11 through 16. You have it as an ABC, BCA format. Mm -hmm. And I'm hearing foreman go, whenever you have an imperfect chiasm, it's just a perfect chiasm in disguise. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. ooh, and I'm wanting to toy with what is the relationship between B and C? How does it relate to what you've already found in verses 3 through 10? on the front side, there's just so much goodies here to dive into, but, and then you have notes here about 20 through 21, potentially being a big chiasm. 
Oh, goodness. Look at that. Mm-hmm. So you have, so the two final chapters of John, you have notes that say you've got Mary. Mary starts off, but then it shifts to Peter and John. It's going to end with Peter and John. So then within that, so it's Peter and John, Jesus shows up, discussions with the disciples. And then on the back side, it's discussion with disciples, Jesus shows up, and then Peter and John. Mm-hmm. So it would seem to indicate potentially there's a larger chiasm there. And you've identified, Brent, you're going to have to pull up this verse here. I got uh, it. You got it? Okay, 30, 30 and 31 would be the center verses in the middle. Go ahead, Brian. Tell me what those are. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Oh. But these are written that you may believe. Sorry. I cry at this stuff sometimes. That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life, which is why John wrote the book. And see, what what you don't even know, Brian, is the week before, the, the episode that is posting before, you don't even know, you haven't heard it yet, but the episode we just listened to last week, two weeks ago, um, we had Dr. Gary Burge on as a literary scholar, and he was talking from a textual criticism perspective about, and this isn't to critique his perspective at all, obviously the obviously brilliant. Um, but textual scholars will look at that and go, well, that's such an awkward, it's such an awkward little verse there. Obviously the whole last chapter of John's kind of like an addition. (laughs) And I, and, and the whole time I'm always thinking like, can it be both? Couldn't it have been in an addition, but whoever put this gospel together in the inspired form that redacted all of this brilliance into how they rearranged it, arranged it, wrote it. I don't know, but there sometimes when we hear something that just is so wacky and off, I just love I love that. That it it it's what did we learn with Foreman in Genesis? We learned that when you see something that seems awkward, all the lights on your dashboard should be blinking. Because it's not awkward. It's there on purpose because the author's trying to get your attention. Um and I love that. I love that because that same passage, which we can easily put our cerebral hats on and go, okay, that's that's clearly just this textual, you know, whatever, could also be in God's, you know, wisdom and uh, divine inspiration, God-breathedness of the Gospel of John, this beautifully crafted literary tool. So, mm, chef's kiss. Uh, Brent, go read the last couple of verses of uh, chapter ten, hmm. which might which might be in the center of this. <laughs> uh, then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed, and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true, and in that place many believed in Jesus. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, but these are written that you may believe. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. And that's an awkward piece there in the end of chapter 10. Sure it is. Yeah. Uh, Burge had a word for that. I called them like a sides or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Golly, that's so good. That's so good. Oh, give me something else. We got time. We got time. Let's let's grab another chiasm. What's another one of your favorites here, Brian? Give me give me another one that's going to make you cry. Let's do this. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, again, this uh, playing fast and loose. I um, and because I think that John is 
Got a lot of exodus in here. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there's potentially a larger chiasm from wrapped around or enclosed by Nicodemus in all of chapters three through seven. Yes, I have thought the same thing. Tell me more. I'm intrigued. Nicodemus in John 3.1 asks a question, and in 7.50, he asks a question. Uh, moving from outside in. Uh, oh, look three, at five, that. Three, five, and six. Oh. <laughs> three, five, and six, there's a water and spirit. And... Um, and 737 through 39, there's water and spirit. Uh, in chapter 4, um, which is women at the well, non-disciples, Samaritan woman, non-Jews, there's a water of life, give me this water, spirit and truth, and an ego amy, which is the I am, right? And a whole town of non-Judeans believe, right? The not religious yeah, people, yeah. right? Or however you want to picture them. And from the John 6 side, we got now disciples and Jewish leaders. It's the people that are supposed to have it all together, right? There's an ego, Amy, in 620. Now let's give us this bread, bread of life, spirit and life, 663. And most Judeans don't believe, as opposed to the whole town does believe on the chapter 4 side. Um, In (laughs) the end of 5, there's... Uh, a healing, signs and wonders. At the beginning of six, there's a feeding of the 5,000 and walking on water, signs and wonders. And in the middle is this um, kind of more specific chiasm that is just within the text itself in um, chapter five, right? From verse 19 through 30. Yep. Um, which starts with... Uh, um, Jesus gave them this answer very truly. I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. I'm going to go right to the end by myself. I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. And, and that's actually one of the way I test my chiasms is I will like connect, like I'll read from the one a and finish with the next day. Like, just connect those and read all the way through and see if they make sense together. Yeah, goodness, yeah. I, I can't imagine Bailey wouldn't be at least lightly satisfied. <laughs> 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 I I mean, I'm, I'm staring at this going, there are far too many, like, because that's the thing. Is this just happenstance? Am I seeing something that's not there? When you see all of these parallels in literal phrasing... It, it 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 has to be it has to be design whether it's God's design or John's design. There's far too many parallels working in an inverted fashion. To not it's just crazy. And the center, Brian, keep working towards the center because it's it's going to be the same thing. Yes, it's going to be the same theme that you keep talking about. Yes, yeah, very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in me has eternal life. Will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Those who hear will live. Even that, even that is one of those uh, verses that itself is potentially chiastic. Um, Goodness. Here's my word and believes has a life and it ends with those who hear will live. And in the middle will not be judged but across from death to life. And this is what John has literally stated his gospel is about. Like he's told us it is so that we might believe. And I think we just hear that. 
and project it into our evangelical theology about evangelism and belief without even realizing that what John's really doing is burying so much treasure and saying, oh, if you have, you have no idea the weight, the glory of who Jesus is mm-hmm. and what I'm really inviting you to understand and believe that is just fantastic. And I, I honestly couldn't tell you if it was this episode or if it was another one, but there were multiple times as we were going through John where I'm like, man, this feels so repetitive. And if I just looked at it a little more closely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, when you guys were doing I remember now when you guys were doing this episode, um, you were going, I think this matches up with chapter 15. You actually said that yep. in the podcast, yep. Marty. Just because yeah, you, yep. I'm, that's what I'm telling you. Like the, the spirit is telling you that. I believe like that, like that's just, yeah. Cause that's how it works. And of course yeah. I was yelling at you. Of course it's a big guy as in chapter two. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we need to get a film crew to follow you around on your walks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. Uh, yeah. So, so here's, here's what I love. I'm going to ask you to kind of close by talking about your process. Brian, because okay. a lot of people are like, okay, but how do I, one of my most common questions I get when you get talking chiasms is people go, but how do I do this? Like, how do I, you know, there's, it's process questions, it's methodology, because we're Western, and that's okay. And we, that's actually where our Westernness serves us well, is to have an abstract understanding of process and methodology. So I, I want to ask you about that to close, but I will make this passing comment before I forget. One of the things I love about this episode following our episode two weeks ago is Brian. I, I, I don't think I'm going to offend you when I say this, Brian, Brian's oh. just a normal dude. Yep. Like last episode, we had Dr. Gary Burge, one of the leading scholars of the gospel of John on our episode. And we enjoyed every drop and minute and second of that discussion. The next episode we have Brian David, yeah. <laughs> normal guy from California who coached people in software and sports. Um, and, and what I love about that is you just found a passion for this and anybody can like, and I'm the same way. Like I do have Bible college education. I don't have master's degrees and PhDs. I'm no expert. I just love this stuff and have a passion for this stuff. Like we keep trying to impress on our listeners this is for anybody like, and yes, there is a rogue, unrefined danger that we need to just be humble and remember who we are and who we're not. But this is also not reserved for the PhDs and the doctors. This is for, this is for anybody. Right, Brian? Amen and amen. Mm. I'm a, I'm a volleyball coach. If anyone can do it. I mean, if I can do it, anyone can do it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So tell me about your process, Brian. Tell me how how this works and what you can tell other people about um how do I do this chiasm thing? Can I do two short ones before we do? 100%. That? Okay. <laughs> so one is just because and this is John 3:16 through 18, right? So one of our famous verses. Yes. Okay. So this is why again I think it might be important. Um, and if we work, I'm not going to, I'm going to start in the center, but I'm going to start with say the, what are these? A, B, C. So D's in the center. I'm going to start with the C's. Okay. And work out. Yep. 
So here's number one C. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Here's the other C. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Here's the first B. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Here's the other B. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed. Here's the A. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Here's the other A. In the name of God's one and only son. The center is to save the world. Right? Yeah. This is where sometimes, like, even verses, like, when I start this process, and you'll see in the document, like, I have no chapters and verses. Yep. They can mess you up. Yep. Right? And the text, Yep. when they heard the text, it wasn't wasn't chapters and verses, right? Yep. So... Those came in the 1500s or whatever. And you can jump on Bible Gateway, just so everybody knows, and you can actually use the options to take all that stuff away if you ever need to digitally. You can take away chapters and verses. You can just have plain text sitting in front of you. Absolutely. That's where I did it. So that's number one. So sometimes we are reoriented and like we made, if if that's accurate, like if this is really the center of the chiasm, then we may have, you know, the huge whatever – 1800 year emphasis on the wrong part of the verse. <laughs> okay. Oh goodness, Brian. Uh, and, and tell me this doesn't sound like session one. So the chiasm moves for, from God so loved the world or God's one and only son mm-hmm. to save the world. Tell me it doesn't sound like Noah, like Amen. that God loved creation so much that he saved creation Amen. rather than, and I, I feel like this little paragraph is a little mini chiasm reminding us of the Noah story. I, it's so consistent in everything else we've looked at. Amen, because John's always riffing off Torah. So, of course. number two. <laughs> All right. Number two, and I kind of, I just want to speak a second to like the Greco side. Sure. Okay. Um, and it's actually a place like um, chapter nine. I didn't, like I struggled in chapter nine. So when I, and when I struggle, I think I, it just means I need to work more because there, there's always something there. Like it might be a big inclusio. Sure. Um, as opposed to maybe chiastic. Like, sure. Uh, verse one, we start with a blind man and verse four, we finish with the blind man. Yep. I mean, 34, verse 34. Yep, 34. So one to 34 yep. could be a big, and there's some ways that works ways in, but it's not that great. But from the Greco side, there's a verse in here. I think it's uh, where it says, nobody has ever heard of a man born blind. Yeah. Uh, 32. Towards the end. Right, nobody has ever heard of a man born blind. And so this is Yeshua and a blind man. And th- throughout the text, there's all this shepherding, right? All this sh- yep. these shepherd um, yep. speeches, right? Um, there's all this. Uh, and it's always like, I, I don't lose anyone. Like the shepherd comes to me, they hear my voice, they're mine, they're, I, I don't lose anyone. Um, and there's this big blind thing. So there's this character on the Greco side named Odysseus, right? Yep. And he ends up on an island uh, with a guy named Polyphemus, right? The big one-eyed monster, Cyclops. Yep. And he ends up driving a stake through his eye and makes him blind. Oh, yeah. And they escape dressing up like sheep. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay. And That's juicy. Okay. Yeah. 
the blind the guy that got blinded actually asks Odysseus his name, and he says, "My oh, name is yeah. nobody." Yes, nobody. Oh. Okay, and Odysseus ends up losing. All his men die before they get home. Okay, so just that again. This might be an inclusio, but again, it's it's. I think it's definitely speaking into you know, the Greco side of things. And that's throughout a lot of these other chiasms as well. Sure. Like all yeah. the ones that the I am ones, we're talking about yeah. the Greco gods and all. And I have some of that stuff in the document, but just wanted to mention those two. Not even in my uh, Greco Roman context, John notes, but another great example of just, uh, again, so clearly hard to, hard to say that's coincidence that John is riffing off of this cultural context. I, I love it. Cool. All right, so talk to us about process. Process, yeah. So, um, and I started this, I don't know, four or five years ago, because I'm always, like, paranoid about kind of what the questions Andrew's asking, like, why do this, and is this real, and this, and um, if we listen to guys, I, I have this quote from Bach, and we can get to that or not, but, like, most scholars will say in some way, shape, or form, be it Bailey or Foreman or Bach or whatever, N.T. Wright. Like these literary structures and specifically these types of um, uh, chiastic um, processes are real. And so I'm going to just take that on face value and I'm, I decided to run with it several years ago. So first thing I do is get rid of chapters and verses. Um, just the way our Western minds think. Like yep. we, you know, a verse means something, but for sure a chapter means something and for sure. Sh- also, I would get rid of, like, the modern doctrinal subheadings, right? Yep. Because um, those can throw us off. Like, our brains go different places when we do, we do those things. Um, I listen or read the section or the book, the whole, I mean, I like to read the whole thing a few times in a sitting. Um, and I just don't start looking for chiasm until this, at least, like, the third time through for me. Yeah, you're not looking for chiasms when you start. You're looking Correct. for that repetition. You're looking for that, where have I heard this before? But you're not trying to find the structure or the pattern. Correct. I'm trying to hear the message of the story. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah What's yeah, the sure. big picture? And how does it fit with Torah? And how, how does it fit with the prophets? Sure. How does it fit? You're like, even that's... thinking conceptually about uh, exegesis on some level before you're even looking for literary. Amen and amen. Yeah, okay. Exactly. All right. I love that. So that's, so I do that first because I, if, whatever I come up with the chiasm for me, it has to fit. Like yep. if anything's weird about that, then I have to start over. Yep. Um, uh, once I start, then if I hear something and it'll be, you know, something, something just like I was walking, I heard Brenton Reed talking about, you know, eight yep. days later or peace be with you or whatever it might be like. Um, then I, then I start go back and I'll work my way usually from, usually it's the outsides that catch my attention. Cause I hear it again. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, so then I'll start working in and I try to check the, the original languages, you know, at that yep. point to look for right. some kind of connection. Yep. Um, not that it has to be word for word. Like I, I'm not that, that's not me. Sure. Um, or at least, um, <laughs> like, you know, words like, uh, I'm not going to go there. Never mind. You get the idea. Yeah. Uh, so then I'll see if there's a reasonable center based on a potential chiasm, but it has to fit the section and the book and the arc of the entire narrative. And if it came up 
you know, if there's a remez, would it make sense? Would that, if the sinner's connected to remez, would that make sense in whatever Isaiah or Torah or Psalms or, you know, another gospel right. is saying, would it fit, right? Is, is, does that make sense? Yep. Um, if John's representing a reimagining Torah in light of Messiah, Yeshua better fit. If, if Paul is presenting appropriate halakha for his Gentile audience based in one of his churches, you know, then it better fit his worldview. Okay? Yeah. And, yeah. Or, you know, whatever, you know, he's usually, he's usually ripping off Isaiah Psalms and yep. Deuteronomy most of the time. So anyway, so it's got to fit there. Yep. Um, so those things. Uh, I test myself. I think I mentioned this, but like I'll read the A and then the, the other A. For uh-huh. me, those two should line up when I read them. Does that make sense? Yes. Like, and then the B to the B and the C to the C, that some kind of connection, like um, 14, 21, and 24 from John. Yep. Like I'm just going to read, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Anyone who does not love me, and I just went right from 21 to 24 there. You know what I mean? Like it just, so yep. that's how I check myself. Anyone who yep. does not love me will not obey my teaching. So those two, those things for me, like perfect lineup. Okay, yep. So then I think, good. so then I, if I get feeling good about it, then I keep looking at it again and start thinking about, does it fit in something bigger? Like the John chapter three through seven thing. Sure. You know what I mean? And start yep. going there. So that's basically my process and it takes time. Like my group, local group here, like we're, we wrestle with it every week. And some of them are, you know, uh, you know, like they're, so we actually go through the process. They're trying it. They're finding yep. things here and there. And it's just been, you know, this ongoing thing that's, and, and like I said, if I can do it, but I work at it. Like for me, it's important. Like for me, if I'm, if I'm going to plant a tamarisk seed for my grandchildren's grandchildren about something about this text, right? Yes. Then... I want it to be, you know, as best I can, um, something that makes sense and is from this mindset that we've adopted. Okay. So give me, give me your, give me the resource that you're going to be quoting and give me this Bauckham quote you've referenced a couple of times. I want want to hear that, but give me the resource first. We can put it in the show notes. Yeah. This is Jesus and the eyewitnesses, the gospels as eyewitness testimony. This is starts on page 513 and he goes through all the gospels basically and talks about literary structure, but basically how they came from oral tradition, right? Which even made, you know, literary structure more important in an oral tradition because now you've got to hear that, you know, peace be with you, peace be with you. Oh, I just heard peace be with you. What do I do now? Right. So, and this is this quote, we need to recognize that whether one calls it inclusio or ring composition or envelope pattern or chiasm, the practice of framing a section of narrative by placing at the end something that reminds one of the beginning is a pervasive compositional habit in ancient narrative literature and many variations of the form can be found. There are prominent examples in Homer's Iliad and Odyssey the most widely read and studied literary works of the ancient world, um, where the repetition of names suffices to mark the beginning and end of discrete units, and it goes on from there. Um, in view of the pervasive and varied use of the device of inclusio 
in ancient literature, there is no reason that we should not be a distinctive form of, and framing device developed for specific for our specific literary purpose. And so that's, I mean, if a guy like Bauckham is going to, and he's pulling off Bailey and stuff and, and his stuff. So that's good enough for me. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. And I just love today. It's been a great reminder of something that I think even I've, uh, I don't know what the, what, what I'm, what I'm trying to say. I, I love to be reminded of chiasmus. I love to be reminded of literary tools when I don't use the muscle. And what I love about what you're talking about in your group that you have is you guys are regularly working on this. Like you're working on that muscle because it is, as Bauckham just said, such a pervasive thing uh, attribute to these ancient pieces of literature and that culture we and it's not normal for us at least we're not typically looking for we have to work that study muscle out and i feel like even i have let some of that atrophy of of late and i just the conversation today's been when just such a beautiful reminder of uh something that's been a staple of of bema for quite some time i love it mm. Awesome. All right, Brent, you're going to have to muster yourself out of your cold and, and get us out of here. I was just kind of browsing through the uh, table of contents on this book. This looks like a tome. Of... <laughs> yeah, that's a huge shit. Well, he said like page 513 or something like that. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, goodness, well, that's not what I'm adding to my list. It's it's 700 pages. It's actually pretty recent. 2006 first edition and Ooh. then an expanded edition uh, just five years ago. So um, yeah. pretty pretty recent work here. So, I love it. Yeah, I go for the I go for the light stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, well it has been uh, a great conversation, and I'm somewhat saddened slash embarrassed, I guess, that uh, you know I didn't pick up all these things as we. I mean, like there were there were it was something was going off in my mind, and it's like pay attention, and I just was not was not like grasping onto that. So I just really appreciate all the. All the stuff that you've uh, brought to the conversation, Brian, it's, uh, oh man, it, John never ceases to amaze me mm. with what he's doing. Like there's, there's so, so much every time you think like, oh, I have a decent handle on this. It's the, the, the doors blow wide open again. So I love it. Amen and amen. And we didn't even talk about how John connects to Paul, but that's another story we can get next time. So. <laughs> <laughs> well any anything that you can uh that you can get marty to appreciate paul a little more is is always welcome so oh hey and i love that connection between you know we we i think we talked on slack at, you know that's another conversation we had on slack what is the intersection between paul and john it, uh, chances to me seem pretty good that they spent some intentional time together somewhere around ephesus and asia but especially when you hear the conversation about like john's writing into this if it's later and you know, there's struggle between the Jew and Gentile, and we're getting thrown out of the synagogue, and you know, you match that up to Paul and Romans, and like, oh man, it's all there. I'm telling you. Yeah. And I love the episode with L talking about Mary. So I just see John and Paul, you know, sitting there over a, you know, nice mutton lettuce and tomato sandwich, and Mary saying, "Now, oh, boys, I was with them longer than all of you. Let me get this straightened out." <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's great. All right. Well, I'll, I'll put the link in for the Slack too. If you, uh, if you want to join the Baymoth Slack after all these episodes and, and get in on this conversation, uh, throw, throw your own ideas of chiasms at Brian and see what, see what he uh, does with it. Uh, you can get a hold of Marty on Twitter at Marty Solomon. I'm at EIBCB and you can find more details about the show at Baymoth 
So thanks for joining us on the Baymo podcast. We will talk to you again soon.